Welcome to the Tunnel Club Day After Reaction Show uh, for TFC's 1-0 loss at home against Orlando. Um, as always, uh, it's Mike Newell uh, as one of your hosts. You can follow me at Football Saves. I'm also joined, as always, uh, by uh, Sean Levy. You can follow him at CDN Footy here on Twitter. Um, Sean, thanks for joining again. Uh, it's it's a bit of a heartbreaker. Um, I wasn't uh, able to go to BMO, but I've just rewatched the game, finished about a half an hour ago. Um, you were at BMO. Uh, maybe just so get your opening thoughts on how you thought the match went from your perspective. I mean, one of the things we've touched on on previous shows is the issue within the final third of not just not getting enough shots on target um now they did i did see a few opportunities that they did take where they were actually just shooting and and you know what may may not have been anything you know a great shot but they were at least doing that but again you know our final third is is what like we had some moments of attack we had some moments where it looked like you know what we could be a bit of a threat but the finishing just was not there. Um, and then again, if Jimenez isn't scoring or isn't a lethal threat, we have we just don't have any secondary option. Um, now, with that being said, for the most part, it wasn't really a bad game. It wasn't a great game by TFC to say that they dominated, but they had opportunities. They were in the game. You know, Orlando wasn't threatening them a lot. I mean, they had one in the first half. Basically, Bono came up massive on a free kick save. But outside of that, like, the the team was holding their own defensively. Um, like I said, they, they actually had a decent game. But when you can't finish, and then, you know, you end up trying to hold on in the end, that's what's going to happen, right? Because it was just bad defensive coverage, like – I don't know if it was, I believe it was Akinola who his man basically like he just, he wasn't in the right position when it comes to marking, especially him being a shorter guy. And it just went over his head and his, his, his man like scored. Um, it was just bad marking, um, which has plagued them on set pieces this year. Um, but again, like I said, it wasn't as if they, they were on the back foot the whole game. They started a little rough, but they, they, settle down but yeah i mean you we have we didn't really have a lot of attacking threats the young kids did the best they could they i thought they played pretty well i mean as a whole i thought the team did well um but we just didn't didn't capitalize on any of the opportunities that we we tried to make yeah it's interesting watching the the game on on the replay this morning um you know really quickly just sort of just go over the the major talking point kyle smith uh from orlando scores an injury time winner uh in the 92nd minute um as sean mentioned off a set piece off a corner uh where yeah you just you just have some missed marking from both um io akinola and a little bit from DeAndre Kerr, though there really wasn't a ton DeAndre could do in that case. Really, Io needs to win the header, um, you know, at the at the near post. Um, but Cal Smith heads it in, uh, and Orlando take the game. You know, it, it's funny. I um, watching the game, it, I just didn't really. 
I wasn't that disappointed in the performance from TFC. I actually thought they didn't play that badly. Now, of course, it, losing five in a row uh, is going to hurt. And I think that, yes, I think fans have the right to feel like this team has just been, you know, it's just been, it's been awful um, in that sense. Uh, and I get that. Um, it, it all, of course, it all depends on how you kind of look at this season. Um, but, you know, I, I think fans have a right to be frustrated uh, on the, the roster construction right now on the fact that, you know, you really are relying on a lot of players who are making their sort of full debut seasons um, with, with TFC. Um, but I think the performance itself was not that bad. I, I think that they had, like you said, they had moments in in possession where they did really connect well um, and provide some threat. I, I do agree with you that you were missing an Alejandro Pozuelo. Obviously, he picked up a knock in training prior to the game. Um, you know, and it, you you are missing sort of end product, which I think you are to expect the team that is clearly rebuilding. Right. And I think, you know, you you are, you know, you're in a position partly because of injuries, partly because of you just can't turn over the squad the way probably Bob Bradley wants in one transfer window. Um, and, and I think that's what you saw and what we have been seeing over the last couple of weeks is just a team that's that right now is trying to figure out what they have in young players and also transition from a very senior-laden squad that had a lot of experience in it to one that, you know, doesn't. And you're asking a lot of those senior guys to who have played with guys who know kind of what they're doing and it's easier for them to step into roles and pick it up quicker. You're asking them now to teach uh, young players. And, you know, some players are really good at doing that and some – some, it, it takes a little bit more time for them to get comfortable in that role. So, again, it, it's a heartbreaking end, to be honest. I, I thought, again, TFC did enough, I think, to earn a draw here. Um, but, uh, again, it, it, that's set piece defending, and you can kind of point the finger at two young players uh, for not defending that properly. Um, I, you know, for again, this is the Tunnel Club. It is the day after show. This is a fan driven show so if you do have thoughts on yesterday's match or just the club sort of state in general uh go ahead and grab the mic uh bottom left hand corner if you are on your phone and on the twitter app uh you can just request the mic and we'll get you in on today's show um but uh you know sean from your perspective you know do you think tfc based on the performance, deserve to to drop the points there? I don't think they did. Um, but obviously that's just how, again, how football works sometimes. Right. I mean, you can basically look at the last two games where, you know, week before we got screwed over. Um, admittedly so. Um, you know, how the game would have ended, we don't know. But, you know, one of the, I, a bright spot is after getting shafted last weekend, the team didn't come in with a letdown game they didn't come down come in looking like 
you know, any negative hangover from from what happened in Vancouver. Like you said, they they on, on like I'm pretty sure if we look at the stats, they were the better team. Problem is, is when you're playing with such a young core, the inexperience, you know, little things like that. Well, well, like. I don't really know what we can expect at this point. Like, I think we, I touched on it um, this week when I was on the, the, the podcast, um, Toronto Till I Die. You kind of can't go into the, any game with any serious expectations right now. You have to be honest with what we have. You know, we don't have player options. The only option are, are playing the young kids. So we're going to have to deal with games where even though we play well, we might not win, right? Like yesterday, we were, in my opinion, the better team. And one mistake in the 92nd minute cost us that game. One mistake. And that's the problem when you play with such a young core is that you really can't afford that one mistake. No, you can't. Um, and, and look, I, I – w- would I say Toronto FC were the better team yesterday? I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I do think Orlando um, I do think Orlando showed why they are where they are in the standings. Um, they're a solid team. I think they struggled to score goals. Um, but, you know, on the broadcast, they mentioned they only scored 13 goals this year. Uh, so, but, but defensively, they're, they're strong. Uh, I think that from a Toronto FC perspective, you know, when you look at it, I think the team is slowly evolving and probably slower than we all want them to evolve. Um, you know, we're, we're, again, we're used to, and it was brought up on, um, on Twitter yesterday, you know, are the fans a little spoiled um, in terms of results, right? I, I think bar bar 2021 you know I, I think generally speaking you know the 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 fans have been used to seeing this team you know win games and find ways to get results and, and generally be in the upper half of of the table uh and i think that uh you know it, it's it's been a while for tfc fans to see this team consistently struggle the way they are um and that and that i think is is drawing some of the sentiment uh on how people are feeling and we'll talk about it later uh, a little bit about sort of the atmosphere around bemo um and again you were there so you can speak to this but uh, i think that it's driving some of the sort of the despair on tfc live you know just in, in terms of uh, how things are going. And, and look, I'm not criticizing that. Uh, I, I think fans have a right to be, like I said before, have a right to be frustrated. Um, I, I just, again, I, I just think it's about maybe partly resetting expectations on the season. And and I think you made a great point on the Toronto Until I Die podcast, Sean, about, you know, the fact that, you know, I think that Insigne drives some of the expectations. I think those, those that that sort of winning run uh, earlier in the season, you know, may have given us a bit of rose tinted glasses on how what this team is going to look like. 
Um, but reality's kind of set in both for the team, for Jesus Jimenez, right? I think he's come back down to earth a little bit. Um, and then, of course, the injuries. You, again, you can't get away from that. Uh, the fact that you're still missing, you know, somebody like Jonathan Osorio, who is an integral part of this team. Um, you're missing a Chris Mavinga, who I, again, I still think is an important part of this team. You know, so from that perspective, uh, you, you, you know, you can you can kind of point to a couple of things that are leading to this. But again, the frustration in the fan base is is justified and warranted. But I think also there, there in some quarters, there needs to be some resetting of expectations, if that makes sense. No, definitely. I think the biggest thing is is I think most fans when we when the season started, there's the all right, we got Insigne's coming. Maybe if we can hold on, anything can happen. That was kind of the sentiment I think at the beginning of the season. But there was also a bit more of an understanding is we you know, the roster isn't really deep. And then like I said, we went on that we kind of had a good good start to our season. So expectations like you and I even gave Rob Bradley like we were saying oh he's doing a great job things are going great we were on a high we've gone on a five-game losing streak we've been brought down to earth yeah yeah but I I I still think Bob Bradley is doing no this is not a criticism about Bob Bradley but again it goes back to everybody started to get hype as if all right you know what maybe we're a lot closer than we realize and we're not. There's a lot more things that need to be done. A lot of changes. And you said it right. Injuries. We don't have a deep roster. So when you have injuries to key players, it's going to affect the team. Right? It's not like you're you're one, one of the guys who are just fighting to be on the 18 are injured. One of your 11, you know, key part of your 11 in, in Ozo is out. Um Pause for 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 he's played a you know outside of this week he's been you know reliable but he also hasn't you know he's had some ups and downs so when you don't have a deep healthy squad you have to accept we need we need to just temper our expectations we need to chill a little the team is not there yet we're a long way from where we need to be and I think like I said we all kind of got hyped. And now we're a little bit back to reality. And I think as a fan base, and they have a right to be upset they have, for a variety of reasons, but we need to temper our, our expectations a little bit. Yeah. And I, I again, I, 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 and I said this to, um, to the Kings of the North sort of uh, discord group, you know, I, I like there was some frustration there and completely understandable. Right. But I think also, I think, this is the right way to go. Obviously, you don't want to lose five games in a row. No one wants to lose five games in a row. And I'm not condoning losing five games in a row. Um, but I also see, I also see where where this could potentially go in the future, right? And I and I do think it is positive. And I know that's hard to see right now. And no one wants to talk positivity when uh, you've lost five in a row. You lose two to Cincinnati. You know you haven't scored in a in a while. Though one should have counted last week. Um, but you 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 see players that are potentially going to make a difference in this club going forward. 
Um, and, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but again, uh, for those in the room, it is uh, the Tunnel Club. It is a fan show. We we love hearing what you guys think about the club, good, bad, or otherwise. So grab the mic. Um, give us your thoughts. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the game itself yesterday, about where this club is sort of heading. Um, we'll get you into the show and, and get your thoughts uh, and react to those as well. Um, but... First, let's, let's just get into one of the, the major points that you brought up here, Sean, uh, in the game. And that was Bono's uh, really great save. I, I think you're talking about the, the save on Mauricio Pereira's free kick um, in the first half. You were behind the goal, um, so you, you saw it directly. Uh, what, what impressed you about that and what made you want to shout that out on the show? Well, first of all, just before he, you know, I, I was throwing him some shade just before the free kick. Like, literally, I, I called him and said, you better make that save. And, and boy, did he ever come up big. Like, you know, you've heard me say it many times on all of our, our platforms that I, I, as someone who's played the position, I will always criticize the keeper more than any other position. But he was focused. Like, I will actually say in the past few games, at least in the last two games, I've seen a different Bono. Um, I And yesterday was one of his, like that save was just outstanding. Like top corner, that ball was going in, like clearly going in. And he literally, like he just lunged one hand, palmed it out. It was like, you have to give him credit, whether you're a fan of him or not that's a big time save from a keeper, right? That's early, you know, late in the, in, 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 well, somewhat late in the first half, that kind of save could have ch- turned the momentum, turned the tides. And he stepped up when, you know, when it was a uh, goal scoring threat. So you have to give him credit. It was like picture perfect. He positioned himself well. He had the, like the wall couldn't have done nothing. They beat the wall. It was going in the net and it was up to him and he did it. And we've we've touched on his shot stopping ability, and he proved that he when when he when he wants to be, he can be one of the best keepers shot saving wise. There's other aspects of the game that, like I said, we don't need to dwell on. But yeah, he he really was big. Well, yeah, it was a big save um, in the first half, and it kept TFC in the game. Um, you know, watching it on television. Pereira didn't quite get it into the corner, which made it a bit easier for, for Bono to make the save. Um, but yeah, you do need those moments. And look, Alex Bono in Bapinu is the farthest reason as to why TFC are, are have lost five in a row. Yes, we pick on his distribution. It is not good. We don't need to beat that dead horse again. But, um, you know, I, he's not the reason uh, TFC are where they are. Uh, you know, I, I think overall, um, you know, I, He's fine. Uh, could you get better? Yes. Um, you know, do I think Quentin Westberg is the answer? Not really. But, um, you know, I, I that said, I, 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 you know, it's a great save. Um, it kept TFC in the game. Uh, I thought overall he had an all right game yesterday. Uh, not much he could do really on the goal. Um, but, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, I thought he had a pretty decent game. Um, a couple of questions that have come in via tweet. So, um, and uh, and we could chat about the, those in a second. And I will, Chris, I see you've asked for the mic, so I will bring you in in a moment. Um, 
But coming in from Jeffrey P. Nesker, just one um, pause. Is he a problem? Um, I think we talked about this last week, so I won't I won't dwell on it too much. Um, but he was out, obviously, for this match. He, he again, like I said earlier, he picked up a knock uh, in training, uh, I think, on Friday. Uh, so he was not available for this match. Um, to be honest, Jeff, I, I don't right now. Uh, it's hard to say that he's a problem. I think you missed him yesterday. You know, I, I think you, you missed that ability to connect with Jesus Jimenez. Um, again, uh, do I do I think long term is he uh, is he a guy you give a DP contract to again? Sean, you talked about this on the Toronto Till I Die podcast. Probably not. Um, but you know, I, I think at, at the moment, you know, I, I think you got to kind of ride with him right now. You know, when he's fit, you got to play him um, because, I, again, as we've mentioned, there's so many young players in the squad um, that that I think you you kind of do need him uh, to play. And, um, you know, I there's thoughts and, and, and Jeffrey, I see here your just comment about, you know, whether or not they played better without him. Um to a certain extent, I, I do think you still miss him in the final third, right? I think he is that connective piece that can uh, unlock a team still, right? A, a lot of those goals that Jesus Jimenez has scored has been based off him being able to unlock him in great positions, right? To be able to score uh, himself and Jonathan Osorio, which are two big misses, as we mentioned before. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's just my thought on pause. No, I pretty much agree. I think he's just, at the moment, like, what happens in the offseason will be a different story, but I think at, for the remainder of this season, you kind of have no choice but to to keep. He's too... What he brings to the table, there's no one else on the team or the roster that can compare. And when he when he's engaged, he's a threat. Um, and like you said, the link-up play he has with Jimenez is is vital, I think, to any potential success for this season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Chris, uh, thanks for waiting patiently. Go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, give us your thought now. Um, I agree with you guys. I think we played okay yesterday. Um, but uh, I'll be honest, I think Orlando played in third gear the whole game. And I think they probably should have beaten us like three or four nothing. Um, Facundo Torres put in some... I think that's his name. Um, put in like three or four balls into the box that went right through the box and just didn't connect with an Orlando player. And then there was the opportunity for Orlando where um, there was a cross into the box. Uh, the player was wide open and he just skied over the uh, the goal for some reason. Um, I know he was under a bit of pressure. Um, and we didn't create anything um, besides Akinola making some runs into the box. Besides that, really didn't create much. Um, I would like you guys were saying, I don't, like, I don't know really, I don't know what to expect. Like, well, this is what we should be expecting, I guess. Um, we've what, started six kids, a um, bunch of kids on the bench. Um, some of the players on the bench probably should be with TFC too. Uh, some of the players in the starting lineup should be bouncing between the two squads probably. Um, uh, like I was a big proponent of playing the kids, but I didn't really think this, I didn't have this in mind. I'll be honest. Um, 
Uh, Bill Manning has some questions to answer because this is his squad that he built. He was the one pumping up the squad and the team and the club in the offseason, saying how we're going to turn things around quickly. Um, and then we decided to get rid of a bunch of players and then not really bring much back in. Um, but like I guess for now, until we bring players in, this is what's going to happen. Um, I highly doubt we're going to be making the playoffs. Um, I think we're going to be so far behind the eight ball. Um, I just see no chance of, like, we've got to bring in five or six players and they've all got to gel and we got to hit the ground running come July to even have any chance of coming in like eight. Um, Like I said, uh, this is what we've got to expect, I guess, going forward until reinforcements arrive. It's just, it's tough to watch. And then, with regards to the fans, I think you can't blame the fans because, one, we were told we were going to turn things around quickly, and clearly that's not happened. And, two, between the ticket prices and the concession prices, like, I find it tough to go and uh, watch TFC play, spend, like, $75 on the ticket, and then pay, like, 15 bucks a beer, and I'm watching, like, TFC 2 from two seasons ago play. Um, it, it, it's tough. Uh, it, it is what it is. Um, and I just hope we can turn it around pretty quickly and make some signings come, uh, come July. Yeah, Chris, that, and look, those are all fair points, right? I, you know, especially around, you know, what we as fans pay to go to matches and what we believe we should be seeing on the pitch. I, I think that's all fair criticism, um, of the club. Um, to your to your point around um, you know the, the the fact that you know we're we're playing a, a, a lot of kids right now and sort of what 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 we've been promised quote unquote um, look I, I think I don't know if we were necessarily promised a we're turning it around right now um, realistic I think what we were promised was that there would be culture change in the team um, and there has been from last year definitely. Um, uh, again, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can legislate for all the injuries they've had, and I also think, and this is a this is a ongoing conversation I'm I'm having with somebody on, on Twitter as well um, with Travis Martin. I think some of you know who he is. We're just going back and forth about, you know, what is a realistic expectation in terms of building the squad out in a transfer window, and. And his argument, to be fair, is that the winter window should have been spent building the core of the team in terms of where you're going. Uh, My sort of comeback to that is Bob Bradley comes in in November, okay? And his biggest job in that window was not about necessarily who needed to come in right then and there. It was more about who is going to stay to help build this project. And it was clear that there were players that were not invested in playing for Toronto FC anymore. I don't think that can be debated. Um, there were players that just last year just didn't, they didn't want to be here anymore. And I, I get that we had to let a lot of players go, or we did let a lot of players go. And that's tough to watch. Completely understand that. But I also think that, you know, if those players didn't want to be here anymore, you can't keep them. Right, and just for the sake of finishing what, fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference, if they don't want to be here, you can't, you can't keep them. 
Um, and, and there were a lot of players that wanted to go and, and for various reasons, right? But, you know, the pandemic did a lot to their families. Um, you know, they just wanted a change of scenery. Just whatever maybe was promised to them by TFC didn't materialize, whatever the case may be. You, you can't keep those players. Um, and then to build that all back up in one window is tough. That is hard for any team, um, you know, to, to then just replace all those players, get a whole bunch of new players in and expect them to perform. That's what old TFC, bad TFC back in the day used to do. Got a whole roster, sign a whole bunch of new guys and expect everything to turn around and, and be good the next season. And that's just not how it works. Um, you know, so from that perspective, that's, I'm not giving them a pass per se, um, because I, I, I just don't think you can, of course, compete with TFC two from, like you said, a year and a half ago or two years ago. Um, but I also think that a degree of actual planning and building out of a roster is something Toronto FC has just never done before. Right. And, and Sean, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but I just, this is a club that is when we got our glory days, we kind of bought our way out, right? Like we bought players uh, and we bought our way to the top. I think this time around, you're trying to actually build a core and a squad to go forward. To me, this looks like the kind of the 20, a mix of the 2014 and 2015 seasons where you're starting to build a core and it's going to be funky and results aren't going to look quite the way you want them to look. Um, Sean, I want to get your thoughts on that. And then I'm going to bring Corey into the show. Um, I, I will have to agree. I think, see, I think the problem is, is there's really no right answer when it comes to how they, how fans kind of would have liked the club to go about it. Right. The club was left in a, the, the atmosphere and the vibe around the club was probably, you know, at a pretty low time. Right, the, the a lot of players, like you said, just no longer wanted to be in Toronto. You can't build a new culture with those type of individuals still hanging around. Right now, I've even said it that I wish certain players were still around simply for performance on the field. But if that's going to hurt the development of the young players in a negative way, where you know they're, you know how they carry themselves within the club like it it's it seems clearly that they need a needed a culture reset the vibe the aura around the club was too negative so we were forced in a situation where like we've talked many many times the club needed this reset a few years prior before covid was they didn't do it they just kept trying to patch we really need this we, it, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but I think this is really the only option for the club for long-term success. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't think this time they can spend their way out of this, right? Like I, I think MLS has changed so much since, you know, the club, you know, the bloody big deal and bringing in Javinko and Altador. Um, the, the, the league has changed in that way. Um, and, and you can't necessarily spend your way out of it you know, ask Miami, um, you know, so, so from that perspective, I, I think it is important to build a core first. Obviously you kind of, when you get a chance to get an Insigne, you go get Insigne no matter where you are in that process. Right. But I think that um, the, the need to build a core 
and especially the core out of players that you have developed is important. Um, and I think that's the way MLS is going to go over the next couple of years. And you better be kind of at the forefront of that than be kind of catching up uh, is what I'll say to that. Uh, Corey, thanks so much for in, uh, for joining the show today. Uh, go ahead and unmute your mic and uh, give us your thoughts. Yes. Hi, Mike. Hi, um, hi, Sean. How are you doing today? Um, thanks for having me on. I was just talking a little bit about, or just thinking a little bit about the game yesterday. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about roster moves and, and all the things that traditionally were done in, and you kind of just touched on that in the last minute or so, Mike, about how MLS has changed. You just can't bring in those, uh, those players from Europe. They're just not coming anymore. Right. We're, we're at the point where we're having to develop players domestically. And this is what we're seeing is, um, and, and it's great to see, especially when we start talking about, you know, the national team and how many players on the team that we're seeing from Canada and, and the GTA uh, getting minutes if, in the senior team. So it's, uh, it's an important thing that we're, we're developing, but I mean, it, it, it's important to know that this, this team has lots of Tam and Gam sitting there waiting for, for like the European windows to open. Uh, and, and you just can't bring those players in that has had, uh, that aren't going to work for the team. And I think as we touched on, uh, you know, previously, there's a lot of players that left that weren't right for the team, right for the vision of Bob Bradley. And, and we're going to see no short-term pain. We're going to see uh, games like that where it's heartbreaking. Uh, and unfortunately, like we're, we're going to have to be a little bit patient, but I mean, we're, we're thankfully in the Eastern conference. It, it's possible that they could squeak in at the end of the year. There's, there's maybe five good teams in the Eastern Conference, and I'm being maybe generous with those five good teams. So we're we're kind of looking at can we just squeak into the playoffs and see what happens? It's it's a possibility. So yeah, it, yeah, it is a possibility, Corey, and um, and we've talked about it before, right? Like you know, you could go on a run in in July, right? Maybe even late July. We, we did it in 2019, right? 2019, we were not in a playoff spot. Um, before that first game back from the Gold Cup in Montreal, right? And when Omar Gonzalez joined the team and Bradley and Altador came back from Gold Cup duty, right? And then we go on this 13-game unbeaten run and we make the playoffs uh, and then get all the way to a cup final. Again, I still think that season was a bit of a mirage, but it's MLS. Sometimes you get a mirage and that happens. Um, uh, but I think at the core of this discussion, to me, it's, it's about building for the long term, actually having a plan and building so that this club is sustainable over a longer period of time. It's I kind of compare the the era of success for TFC kind of for that pocket era of success for the Blue Jays. I don't mean to make this a baseball chat, but in the sense that you go and get all these guys, you buy these players and they give you almost immediate success. Um, and you have a window where everything works out and is amazing. And then eventually it, it falls off. It falls off fairly quickly. Um, and I think that's what t we kind of had from, say, 2015 to call it 2020. Um, you know, where you, you essentially have that in obviously 2018, um, at least in an MLS domestic season doesn't count. But um, you, you have that success and everything looks great. And you think that's going to continue, but it can't. Because you built it on buying senior experienced players. This time around, 
sustainability is kind of the key. So you're building it by playing a bunch of, and you're going to sell some of these guys, right? So these guys are talented enough to be sold on either to Europe or, you know, maybe, maybe to, maybe to Mexico. I, I don't know if, you know, necessarily Mexico is realistic, but um, you, you may sell some of these kids and that's fine, right? Because that's what clubs do. But I think you, you are seeing that, uh, that evolution in the team. And I think that long run, that's a good thing. Short term, yeah, it sucks, right? It, it, there's no way around that. It sucks. Um, Sean, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you guys said it well. And, and you know, like, I really, I mean, we've, we've kind of, there's no point to keep dwelling on it. At the end of the day, the season is, you're either going to accept the fact that we need to rebuild or not. You know, you can be one of the fans that want to see immediate success year in, year out, but in my opinion, that's just not realistic anymore, right? The patchwork that we've done in the past with TFC, just we can't do that anymore. The league has become too competitive, too smart. You have to be, you have to think for the future. You have to think long-term. Absolutely. If, if well, TFC, you know, we've, we've heard the, we're a big club mentality. Well, you know, the big clubs, they use their academy foundation to build for the future. They don't just buy 11 players. Well, Outside well, of well, yeah, but you know what? Here, here's, here's, here's a prime example. Look at those two clubs, right? They buy their league championships, but that's the only success they get. That is it. When it comes to playing up against the real big clubs who actually build, what happens? They right? Don't. It's like they don't. So at the end, we can either be the team that just spends, and yeah, we'll get these trophies, but do we really have that that foundation? And that's what I think Toronto's trying to do is build a proper foundation for long-term, not two, three years, and then we struggle again. No, they want long-term. We're, yeah, we're not going to win every year, but we're always going to be competitive. Well put, well put. Corey, thanks for joining the show, man. I'm going to just put you back in the audience. Uh, if you have any other thoughts, uh, feel free to grab the mic again. Uh, but good to always hear from you, man. Um Okay, so uh, as we continue here, uh, you know, one of the things that I just wanted to talk about, and we talked about the kids a little bit, um, so, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, but any, did any of the players yesterday, I know it's hard to always talk about this in a loss, uh, but did, did any of the players uh, yesterday stand out to you? Um, I have a few, but Sean, uh, what do you think? Um, I think I'm just seeing the same ones. Like, I know I saw you, you know, touch on, Io, um, for me, I think Io needs to get game fit. He definitely looks off, um, but he looks like when he does get right, you know, his touch will be on point. He, I think, he can be a, a, a an offensive asset when thing when he when once he kind of gets his footing, right? Um, I've been impressed with again DeAndre Kerr and. Kosey Thompson, the fact that you can throw these kids almost in anywhere in the pitch and they're just going to hustle hard. They're going to do what they what's asked of them. Again, we're going to have moments of struggle from these young kids, but for the most part, I, I'm, I'm impressed with, especially how Kerr had that rough start to the season and now you've seen him bounce back in the past few games. He's really settling in. And um, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, regardless of the fact that we're playing young kids, the young kids, I think, are stepping up. And that young kid, Roth, what's his name? Roth, Rothrock? Yeah. 
like this he's a young kid that two games in a row now and he just hustles he comes and brings it like that's kind of that's what you want when when you're bringing in a young player like i don't want you to to kind of be a superstar just give 110 percent, and you see him hustling offensively and defensively and that's all you can ask for the young kids really very true. Very true. Um, yeah, you mentioned two of the players that that sort of uh, sort of stood out to me in terms of Io and and DeAndre Kerr. I, I think again, DeAndre is getting better each game, and he's learning, uh, especially after that rough first game. Um, and Io, uh, yeah, the same. Once he gets fit, um, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be just fine and sort of pick up where he kind of left off. The other player that stood out to me was Michael Bradley, um, and I know we, you know, he's he, he sometimes is TFC Live's favorite whipping boy. Um, I, I get that, uh, but I actually thought he had one of his best games of the season yesterday. I thought he, I thought he covered uh, the field really well. I thought he shielded the back four really well. Um, you know, I, I thought his passing was a bit more on point. Um, he had a really nice sort of reverse pass to, I think, Kosey Thompson. I believe it was in the first half um, where it was a little off. Um, if it was a little straighter, I thought Kosey was in on it with a chance on goal. Um, but I thought he played one of his better games yesterday and, and, and proves why you still need a Michael Bradley in the team. I still agree that he doesn't need to start every game, um, but why you still need him as part of the team, um, because I still think he is your probably your best holding midfielder um, as, as you know, somebody like Ralph Preso um, and, and sort of Noble Akello uh, develop more um, as professionals. Um, so I, I thought, I thought Michael had one of his best games of the season. Um, okay. We have Emilio here. Um, so I'm going to bring him into the show uh, and then we're going to sort of touch on our last point uh, of the show, but Emilio, I'm bringing you in here. Go ahead unmute yourself and uh, give us your thought. Oh, do we have Emilio? Emilio, oh, are you there? I'm sorry, guys. I was just waiting for it to connect. Yeah, no worries. Go ahead, so, man. I was at the game yesterday. Um, I took my dad for his uh, early birthday present, and we were sitting on the east side of the field. And the one thing that is my favorite moment out of yesterday's game was the, the pairing between Kosi and Lucas. Those two right ahead of each other was so nice to see. They were so composed. They were, they knew exactly where each other were at all times on that field. They were, they never felt pressured. Cozy for me was man of the match. Like he played so, so well. I was so impressed at how, how much better he's getting every game. Um, I think Mike and Sean, you both touched on it. We were missing the midfield. We definitely were missing pause in the middle. We were missing Osorio uh, in the middle. Like, our middle was really lacking. But I'll give it to Ralphie for stepping up and trying to do everything what he can. Jaden had a great game. He was making those runs, but it was hard for him to get in that, that last-second kick into whoever was trying to run into the box. The one thing that I did also notice was that even though right now one of our other youngest favorite players would be um, Petrasso, he got caught a little bit out of position where I would see 
uh, Jimenez having to, having to tell him to move up and push up into the play, which normally he wouldn't be doing that, but he he saw he he seemed a little lost yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting, Emilio, because um, and I think we've said it before. You know, we were questioning whether that Schaffelberg Petrasso. Um, combination on the left would be a good fit long-term. And I think you see why um, Bob Bradley probably sees Jacob Schaffelberg more as uh, that defensive, or at least maybe not defensive, but um, left wing back and wants to push uh, Petrasso up. Because uh, attacking-wise, I think Petrasso is, is much better. Um, and, I, and I think over time, Jacob Schaffelberg will actually become a better defensive player. I know it doesn't look like that right now, um, and obviously he's hurt currently, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's where you get the best of Luca Petrasso is, is more advanced um, and where he can get up and connect uh, with the, the front players. Um, Emilio, thanks for your thought, man. I'm going to just throw you back in the audience here um, and, and thank you for your thoughts and a happy early birthday to your dad. Um, Cause that's pretty awesome that you were able to take him to the game. Um, so yeah, let me just, uh, just going to put you back here. Um Sean, yeah, just in terms of that, I know we talked a lot about Kosi Thompson, so I'm not going to, again, dwell too much on Kosi. But, uh, again, I thought he also had a very solid match and is is equating himself really well, actually, to that right back, right wing back, whatever um, role you want to call it. Um, kind of in the same way, and I'm, I'm not comparing him to Richie Larea because he's not, but, you know, just in the sense that he's picking up the position a lot quicker than I think a lot of us thought he he might. No, I agree. I think um, when you look at, you know, young players coming in, playing a brand new position, he's probably been the one who's picked it up the best, uh, especially when it comes to, say, the wing back sides, whether it be the right or the left side, because um, it's been all young kids, fresh start, learning, learning a role. And he seems to be the one who's absorbing it the most in practice and being able to implement it come game time, right? Because you know, it's got to be a lot to now understand how to position your body, where to keep the defender in front of you, when, know when to, you know, how to move your body in that defensive position, um, rotating, things like that. Like, it's not an easy adjustment for any soccer player. But he seems like that, like, you know, that he's just like a sponge, absorbs information and just goes, like, he's just, he's again benefiting from Bob Bradley's coaching style who, you know, you're young, you're hungry, and you just listen to what the coach is asking of you, and you do it. And, um, yeah, I think that well said. And I think um, to touch on Emilio's point on on uh, Petrasso, I, I definitely agree. I think yesterday, I think part of the problem was he's playing that wingback role, so he's, he was, he's more like, I don't want to make too much defensive mistakes, so I don't want to get caught up too much. But he has to understand and know when to – not worry too much and focus on their like when we when they're they need him to be that attacking role absolutely absolutely and i think that's where jacob schaffelberg might be a little ahead of him in that development curve but of course J jacob schaffelberg um also has more a lot more uh, senior team experience uh, than him at this current time um okay let's move on to our our last point here uh, and this is a question, uh, and some of you may have seen this on Twitter, some of you may not. So I'll give you some context here of why I'm bringing it up. 
Uh, so there is a tweet from Michael Leach uh, from uh, 680 News. Uh, he's been covering the team, obviously, for a long time, if, you, if you've been following along. Um, and he, he kind of tweeted about a bit about, obviously, the attendance. Um, and I, I assume his tweet was earlier on uh, when the game kicked off. Um, because I think it filled in later, but, you know, that's going to be part of the point. Um, but he also mentioned a bit about the atmosphere um, around the stadium and if there is a sort of problem that the club is having in reconnecting with um, the TFC fan base, both, you know, supporter and hardcore and also casual um, as well. Uh, I'll ask you, Sean, again, you were in the stadium. Um, I know a lot of you that are, are listening in live right now um, were at the stadium as well. So I'd love to get your thought. Do you think there's an atmosphere problem at BMO Field right now? Um, I, I, you know, as sort of the the team is and obviously either mired in a five-game losing streak. So yes, in, in a certain sense. But you know, do you think there's an atmosphere problem at BMO? Okay, so problem not necessarily. In the sense, like, was it disappointing? Like, when I got there and I was looking at out, I was like, damn, sparse crowd. And, you know, part of me was, okay, we've got, you know, tr- uh, Leafs game tonight. You've got the first beautiful weekend we've had where you can wear shorts and a T-shirt in a year, almost. So I was more, I was, I tempered my, my, my disappointment at the start to kind of say, you know what? First weekend, I'm not going to get too upset the fact that, the start of the game isn't a packed stadium or, or at least, you know, a decent size. And, you know, I just focused on kickoff and then, you know, I don't even know what point I kind of looked around. I'm like, Oh, guess everyone showed up. So there is a bit of a not, you know, nonchalant vibe to some of the fan base that we get there when we get there. Um, now, anyone who knows about downtown traffic, it's been even more of a nightmare lately get coming to downtown. So if you don't prepare to leave early, you're probably going to get stuck in some form of traffic. So that can easily slow your, your, or delay you from getting there. But with that being said, like I said, it's, I'm not overly concerned because again, TFC is still one of the top, um, like this season when it comes to attendance, they, I believe are top five in the league right now. So, you know, and they don't have one of these football stadiums that can hold 50,000 people in it. Right. So, I think they're getting a decent number to start. There's going to be an uptake in, in seats come summertime. We know that we're going to see a, a big surge, but I think we need to just not sweat over it too much. Like let's remember the team was crap last year. And you want to talk about no fans, like even though they, we were limited on the amount of people that could attend, it was pretty bad last year. Right. You and I were at most of those games. So I'm not gonna harp on it too much at this time. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I think for me, uh, like obviously, you're gonna have some. You're gonna have some. Uh, well, first of all, it's Toronto, right? So late arriving crowd. That is the mo, um, and and it hasn't changed much. Uh, so that's one thing. I think they announced about 22,000 um, at the game yesterday. So clearly a late arriving crowd. Obviously, you mentioned the traffic issues and, and things like that. Um, I do think there is some apathy right now 
um, in in the fan base. And I don't and I'm not talking about people in this room, because obviously, if you're taking a time on a Sunday morning to listen to us, you're not apathetic. Um, but, it, you know, there is, I think, some apathy in the more casual fan base. I think there's some apathy even in some of the supporter group bases that, you know, whether it is um, the results, whether it is what happened last year, whether it is a bit of that sort of COVID hangover of not having the team play for, or at least in Toronto for almost two years. Um, I, I think there's some of that. And I'm, and I'm not, and I don't mean that as a criticism because I, I understand why that might be. I see the reasons and reasoning behind it. Um, I do think though, there the club right now is struggling in its attempts to connect, reconnect, I should say, with the more casual fans. Um, and I, I know Bob, Bra- or sorry, uh, Bill Manning talked a bit about, you know, part of the reason you sign somebody like Lorenzo Insigne is to gather some of that casual fan base, right? Um, that is partly the point of DP signings in a lot of ways. Um you know, but I, you know, I think in the end of the day, um, right now, results and the fact that I just, I right now, I just, I don't think TFC is at the top of the minds of a lot of casual fans in in the market uh, are leading to some of this sort of, you know, I don't know, I don't want to call it a quieter slash. Um, you know, uh, lack of starting attendance uh, atmosphere at BMO. But there is some of that, I think. Um, I, I think that changes over time. I, I Especially, okay, look, if the team start winning, that will change everything. Um, but I do think there is some of that apathy out there. I, I don't know if people agree, disagree. Um, grab the mic um, before we end the show here. Um, we'll probably end in the next five minutes. Uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that. If you were at BMO field yesterday um, and maybe saw something different um, you grab the mic again uh, and uh, love to get your thoughts but yeah I think there is a little bit of that sort of engagement issue between the club and the fans um, are you kind of feeling that Sean definitely I think they need to I mean we there there has been a disconnect ever since you know everything that's gone on over the past two years right um, we can't deny that, you know, the world's been flipped upside down. So I kind of understand that. And I, I I see some of the issues that people that fans are, are concerned, like, you know, the pricing and things like that. And I kind of, I like, I understand, you know, I'm, we're all paying these same prices and we're, and, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily the best time to be paying, you know, buying $15 beers at a stadium like there's also that factor, you know, maybe the club has, hasn't realized that, you know, the pandemic has affected a lot of people financially that soccer's, you know, even for the casual fan, how they choose to spend their money on a weekend is going to be different. So there's many factors, but I think the club definitely needs to find a way to be, to, to re-engage with the casual, to get TFC back in the mindsets of the public. You know, I don't know if that's through the media, through doing promotion, but they there's definitely a bit of a disconnect in the city. 
you know, yeah. you've got your hardcore, but that at this moment, there's definitely a, a separation. Yeah, and Emilio tweeted at us just, uh, you know, he, you know, he thought the attendance was good yesterday in the end, um, but they need more engagement from everyone overall, not just South End. Um, look, South End, you know, somebody's, you know, who, who's helped create a group uh, in the South End. You know, our our jobs are to drive the atmosphere in, in the stadium and then get the other stands involved. And obviously, you don't need to know all the words um, to all the chants and all that. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's it's about driving sort of that that atmosphere uh, in in the stadium and, and trying to get uh, the rest of the stadium sort of involved and excited about what the team is doing. That said, the team also have to perform to get people excited, right? It's kind of a double edged sword there, I think, uh, right. in terms of being able to to get everybody engaged. Um, oh, okay, but we have to then we have to touch on something, right? If, if it's up to the South End to help engage the fans, you and I both know there's a problem in the South End right now. Yeah. Because there's not a unified South End. You have one group that just is on their own, essentially, in every aspect of, of you know, and if how are we supposed to unify the stadium when we can't even be unified? And at moments, it's frustrating. And like I said, we've seen it. And I know we try to just ignore it and just focus on the team, but there's a disconnect right now. And it's not just the club and the fans. It's within supporters groups. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not as privy as I used to be to all those conversations and things like that. Um, but, yeah, of, co- of course, there is there is disconnect in a sense that, look, ideologically, some groups are going to see things differently than others. And that's okay. That's fine. Right. Like that. I think that's healthy. I don't think it's great to always have a monolith kind of culture in terms of how to see and view and and support. Um, But I think that, you know, uh, some efforts to to get more synchronicity uh, there uh, is important. Um, I don't capo anymore. So you know, from that perspective, I don't know what those conversations are like, but, um, and it's not, and it's not to criticize the Capos either, right? They have a talk, they, it's a, it's a hard job, put it that way. I'm not going to go into all the specifics about it, but it's tough, right? When you're not beside each other, when you have sections in between each other, you know, it's hard to hear. It's just simply hard to hear sometimes um, in terms of being able to connect. Um, so from that perspective, uh, obviously, you know, you, you'd love to see more of that. Um, but I also understand why sometimes it, it is harder to do that from that perspective. Um, Corey, uh, thanks for being patient, man. I wanted to bring you into the conversation because you requested the mic. Go ahead and unmute yourself, man, and uh, give us your thought. Yeah, I was there, I was there uh, in 117 yesterday. Um, and it's, to be honest with you, nothing new for this fan base to show up 20 minutes, half an hour into a game. This has been going on for, you know, 15 years. Really, uh, it is, uh, as Sean said, it is a nightmare getting there if you're you're trying to get there from anywhere outside of basically Liberty Village. I mean, public transit and, and the highways and everything. I came from the West End, and it was, uh, as you said, the nice first the first nice day of the year, and the Lakeshore was just packed full of people, and that's understandable. But I mean, that's that's the type of fan that that uh, that we're seeing slowly coming back. I mean, in 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 the South end anyways, there was a lot of new faces, which is a good thing. I think um, there were a lot of people who weren't necessarily hundred percent sure what was going on when, 
when some things were going on, like the TSC chant. And even during the Viking clap, I saw a few people going, wow, this is, this is new, this is cool kind of thing. Um, it will take a little while, and yes, it helps if the team wins, but I think it's, uh, I think it's just a Toronto thing rather than just saying, uh, you know, a TFC-specific thing. I think it, it, it just comes down to actually fair weather. When we start talking about weather, um, it does have a huge impact on how many people come to games, like when it's raining. And, and uh, we, you know, we saw that last year when we were allowed to go back. Uh, there were times when it was, it was not nice weather and people weren't there. They just decided to say, you know what, I'd rather be, be doing something else with my time. So, I mean, it, it, it is slowly coming back. I do believe there are a lot of newer kind of generational fans uh you know uh and, and speaking for myself my my two kids weren't born when tfc were were started right so now i can take them to games and i'm getting a, a younger generation of fans into the game which is great and we're starting to see that a little bit more is is um you know people people are getting older people are starting families people are making that effort to uh to bring their kids and it, and it's slowly changed a little bit in the south end i think it's that and we're seeing a lot of new faces so that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Corey. I think that perspective is really great. And I agree. I, I see the same thing. Um, and look, like when I started, you know, you know when, when Dylan and I and Dave Pinto started Kings in the North, we were all in our 20s, right? Like I'm pushing near 40 now, right? So like, you know, it's, it's uh, it, you know, I get that. Um, and and uh, sort of that generational flip is going to need to happen. Um you know, because I think a lot of us who who were there and and have you know started that fan base and people who have been there even longer than me, um, you know, are getting older and and you know your priorities shift a, a little bit um, in life in in general. Um, but I also you also have to commend the fact that a lot of those old heads are still hanging around, right? A lot of those old heads are still there, game after game, um, you know, I giving am. everything they got. <laughs> yeah i'm an old i guess i guess i'm an old head now um which, which... I, i'm older than you buddy okay you're fair fair i know but you know what i mean like in terms of just having done the thing you know um yeah, and that's south end specific but also i think you know that uh, i think there can be some better opportunities from both a club and supportive perspective of embracing those who don't sit in the south end right um who who are just as passionate about Toronto FC and what what the what the club does and lives and dies off results the same way we all do sitting in this room. There's a way to connect them too. I I, I don't profess to know exactly what that is right now, um, um, but at TFC, you're listening, holler at me. Um, but uh, you know, I think that you know being able to engage them, uh, you know, in, in that way. Is important because when you are going through five game losing streaks and, and don't look great on the pitch um, right away, you know, the love of the club and I use and I'm you can't obviously see me right now, but I'm, I'm air quoting um, because, you know, it is, you know, in a lot of ways a franchise, but the club, it's up to fans to make it a club, right? The, the, the MLSE and, and those working in the club obviously love it. Um, and try to make it a club, but it's really up to the fans to make it a, a club atmosphere. Um, and and you know, th- I think there's ways that we can we can help do that, um, which I don't even necessarily share here right now. Um, but uh, you know, I think from that perspective, 
it can help with the atmosphere. And obviously, at the end of the day, winning helps, right? Winning will drive people back to BMO Field. Um, and, and good football will bring people back to BMO Field long run. Um, but there are small things, I think, that, that um, supporter groups in, in the club can do to connect people uh, a bit more to the team. Um, okay, so I think that that's it for sort of what we had in terms of uh, talking points for for today's show. Um, I think we'll we'll kind of wrap it up here. Uh, Sean, any last thoughts before we uh, we call it a day? Uh, no, I think we pretty much touched on everything. I mean, it's it has been disappointing the past five games. Um, there's really like I guess the only bright side is that you know the development of the kids. Um, and I know there's a lot of fans that don't want to see so many kids out there, but unfortunately, we kind of have no options. So, you know, still come out, support the team. We're going to have a lot more days like we've seen yesterday than, than we'd like, but they need us, right? That's important of being that 12th man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, hey, man, look, uh, a lot of us have seen this club be a lot worse than they are now. Um, you know, I, I started a supporter group and this team was started off a season 0 and 9. So I have seen, I have seen much worse, um, as a TFC supporter, but it is, it is tough. You know, I, it is tough to watch the team sort of struggle and you see, and, and a lot of us, I think in this room are invested in these young kids, right? You want to see them do well. Um, they're young Canadian guys. They're all trying to, they, they, they care. You know, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to some of these guys, um, in the past and, and they, they, they care, trust me, they care, you know, they, you know, if last year was a problem about guys, maybe not wanting to be here anymore or not being committed to, to what TFC is, that's not a problem with a lot of these young players. They, 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 they live and breathe the crest as much as, as we do as fans because they grew up in the system, right? They, they grew up in the club. So they care. And then trust me, these results hurt them a lot. I, I know it does for a fact. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Um, you know, for those maybe on the Insigne watch, he did score today in his last, uh, in his last home match for Napoli. After uh, missing a penalty. Yeah. They, they gave him a, a nice send off, um, at the, at the stadium. So now it's really counting down days till he arrives. Um, and, and, uh, he gave, uh, uh, Crescito a big hug as he walked off the pitch um, when he was subbed off. Uh, so uh, maybe with a with a nod in the ear to see you in Toronto. Um, but you know, obviously, eyes are now on to the the transfer window, the opening of the transfer window, and what reinforcements are going to be brought in uh, by the club. Um, you know, as as a lot of people have reported, our own Michael Singh um, has reported, right? There's going to be multiple uh signings coming in not just uh not just Insigne and and at this point I think it's pretty safe to say unless something really drastically changes aside from uh Domenico Crescito um as well so we'll see what those look like um TFC have another match they're away at DC next weekend um we've beaten DC so who knows maybe that's uh maybe that's a, a way to break the the streak 
Um, so we'll see how they do during the week and see what the injury report's like and see if we get some players back into the first team. Um, but that's it for the Tunnel Club uh, this week. Thank you again so much. Uh, for listening in and participating. You guys make the show. Um, the show is growing. I'm, I'm seeing new faces in uh, the show each week. So we really appreciate you uh, listening in. If you don't already, give us a follow at TFC Tunnel Club on Twitter. That's uh, where we post all the show links um, and, uh, you know, give some opinions throughout the week. Uh, and then, of course, follow Sean if you don't already at CDN footy on Twitter. You can follow me as always at football saves. Uh, and until next week, when we react to DC, the DC United game. Um, oh, Sean, do you have a last thing you want to get in before we wrap the show? Yeah, actually on the way to the game, uh, walking in, I actually, one of our, uh, Usual listeners uh, for the Tunnel Club, he's, he's, he has chimed in in the past. Robbie, I don't know if he's on today. I got to meet him and his mom walking to the game. Um, so, you know, anytime any of you guys, you, you, if you haven't met us or haven't seen us, don't hesitate to stop and say hi. Um, yeah, I'll definitely absolutely. always engage and, and love, love getting to know who's, who's who, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think a lot of you know me. I, I'm in 116. <laughs> I'm not hard to miss. Um, so yeah, every time, if you're at a home match and you, you see us walking by, um, you know, say hello, uh, happy to always to interact with you guys and, and talk some TFC. Um, but again, uh, on behalf of Sean, my name is Mike. Again, thanks for listening in. Uh, enjoy your beautiful Sunday. It is gorgeous out. Um, get outside, take a dog for a walk. If you got one, uh, go for a bike ride. Uh, enjoy the day. Uh, and we'll chat with you next week. Take care. Have a good day, guys.